1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Boy, I got a treat for you this week. We've managed to get probably one of the busiest individuals in the channel, Mr. Jay McBain, to join us on the show. Jay is the principal analyst of channels, partnerships, and ecosystems at Forrester. He has a long career in the IT channel. He was just awarded the channel influencer of the year. And uh, Jay always brings the heat. Um, he recently has written an article that is uh, taking a lot of heat or getting a lot of attention around you know, the whole distributor model and how that thing might not be a thing in the coming years or definitely not a thing the way it is today. Um, Jay also uh, was the host of a panel that I have the privilege to be on at the Channel Partners convention here recently and is a wealth of knowledge. First time I met him was a couple of years ago when we had him on a a contract and we were uh, working with him to understand the channel. And then we saw Jay speak at Conquer Local in San Diego. So Jay McBain, great Canadian guy who now actually lives in West Palm beach. That doesn't suck. We're going to have him next on the Conquer Local podcast. Mr. Jay McBain back from Forrester. Jay, great to have you on the podcast today. And uh, thank you for inviting me to that panel that we were on here recently. And uh, it's exciting to have you on the show.
0: Well, thank you for having me. And it feels like family. We're, we're talking every day now. It's, uh, it makes me feel, feel at home uh, from my uh, old Canadian days.
1: Jay uh, was in our building here a couple of years ago and, and we've worked together over the, a number of years and I'm excited to have you on the show today because as, as you know, our organization is moving more and more into the IT channel and if we want to learn about the IT channel, there's no better person than the influencer of the year and congratulations on that, Jay. Um, and the other thing, Jay is Canadian, but now you're living in South Florida, which is every Canadian's dream. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, I get asked probably a dozen times a day, like, hey, where where are you dialing in from? And I always have to, you know, I can't answer the question just with the city because (laughs) I always have to preface it with I'm a Canadian living in southern Florida. So wherever they are up in northern Europe or in Russia or wherever they're calling in from, I want to make them feel that I grew up with 10 feet of snow and I'm not (laughs) bragging about the palm trees and the ocean like lapping up at my feet right now.
1: Okay. Okay. You're rubbing it in. You're rubbing it in. Um, you work for a company called Forrester and I'd love for you to give us the overview of what your role is because, you know, I I think I know because we've, we've worked together, but I'd love to hear it again, just so our audience can hear it and and it will resonate for me again.
0: Yeah. So Forrester is really interesting. It's an analyst firm and you may have heard of Gartner, you may have heard of IDC and, and companies like that. And you know, I didn't know a lot about it, um, you know, earlier in my career. But later in my career, you know, analysts are people that are provocative. You know, we're not the media, which you know just regurgitate press releases and you know put nice headings on the front cover so that we get sponsorship. We're actually the opposite. My you know tagline here, my corporate tagline is "Be bold." The the one before it was "Challenge thinking and lead change." You know, so last week when I you know write a piece about distribution that was you know very very punishing you know other than some cease and desist letters and other things um that's what i'm encouraged to do and none of it was un- non-factual and you know if we were challenged on a fact that we got wrong we would definitely you know correct it and put out a public apology and everything else but the point is let's look at this industry and let's not you know sugarcoat it like maybe an industry association would or a magazine would and let's maybe you know, talk about the elephant in the room and and, and things like that. And it actually, once you make people mad, it turns around into, can you, 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 you talk about 10 things here. Can you unpack it through my lens and what should I do going forward?
1: You know, it's interesting because I've been watching and I saw the, I saw the document, I read, read it through and we, we don't need to get into it. Maybe we could just pin it. Uh, in the broadcast, but I want to tell you, and you know, my background being in the media business for a good part of my life. And then I arrive at Vendasta, I meet Brendan King and, you know, I'd known him for a long time and and I met him and understood what they were doing. And, and part of the reason why I came was I knew how to speak media because that was some of the first customers we were dealing with. And, and I bet you there are some folks in the, you know, the, the yellow page business, the newspaper business that would love to have had a Jay McBain back in the day, um calling the baby ugly um and, and giving them a wake up call. Because, you know, there was a news story here recently, and again, depending on when you listen to this, but there was a news story recently, um, DexYP Thrive just bought Census in Australia for $247 million. Like that that was a multi-billion dollar business that was picked yeah. up for $247 million. And, you know, we all know that there was a lot of challenges there, but at back in the day when I was selling radio ads against the page folks that would get all the budget, that they, they never thought that they could be in this spot. And, you know, you, you are challenging folks um, to think differently and, and to wake them up because the world is changing. And if you just stay in this lane that you are, you may end up selling for 247 million when you were a multi-billion dollar business. Am I overstating that?
0: No. And I mean, to go back to your media example, when I moved from Canada uh, 11 years ago in 2009 I wrote, the biggest magazine in our industry is called CRN, uh, Channel Reseller News. I wrote them a $2.1 million check that year. You know, my boss got on the front cover. We took the back page of the advertising. We got on the top. You know, we won every award that year. The next year, I cut them a $200,000 check. And what I didn't realize at the time is that my counterpart at Dell, HP, Cisco, Microsoft, and everybody else, cut theirs by 90% the same day. So that business went from, you know, 250 people and, you know, a hundred million dollar business down to, you know, selling back to the owners and trying to keep it afloat.
1: You know, and, and, that, so, and that was when you were okay. with IBM, right?
0: Yeah, that was Lenovo, but you know, oh, Lenovo, right? IBM I, I,
1: you know, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. I remember I'm in Washington with, with Brendan. We're at a convention. It was the big newspaper convention. And, and what they would do is they would bring all the advertisers in and, um, at the time, the head of advertising for the Miami Herald, I ran into him in the hallway and he had a look on his face like he'd just been punched in the mouth. And and I was like, Sam, what's going on? And, and he says, we got to go have a drink. So we went to the lounge and had a drink. And he said, Yeah, I just found out that Macy's and Walmart are cutting their budget by 90%. And you know, that's a $5 million account for us. And, and the problem was, is that there was just this cloud over the entire event, because what the newspaper business would do at that event would bring all the advertisers in, pay for them to come. And then the VPs of sales would go in and they get their ad buy for the year. And, And that industry just completely changed. So Here's why I love the fact that we have you on the show. There's nobody more plugged into the space and the IT channel and understanding. And I remember, remember that boardroom, we were sitting there and you were on the whiteboard and you were talking about marketplaces and I, I see over your shoulder, that graphic that you build every year and, and the logos that are on there and and the folks that are moving into the space. I'd love for you to tell this audience what you believe is about to happen to that distributor model, the IT channel because of marketplaces and because of technology.
0: Yeah, so we are at a 2009 moment where the advertising industry was in the channel now. The difference, though, now is the channel partners, the vendors, the distributors have a really big opportunity to take advantage of the future. You know, there may be a 90 percent cut in one place, but there might be a three or 400 percent opportunity on the other side. Every company in every industry, including media, is becoming a tech company. So with everyone flooding in, there's millions of companies flooding in to this space, and there's an unbelievable opportunity. If you look at just in COVID in the last one year, the biggest spending opportunities by customers in every industry, automation, number one, number two, cloud acceleration, number three, remote topology, new future of work, and number four, customer experience, partner experience, marketplace. Those four investments are all technology investments. So every company in every industry is being disrupted by somebody from technology, and they're quickly coming in. So when you look at the future, 76% of CEOs in every single industry, this is Accenture, um, think that their current business model will be unrecognizable in five years. The number one reason driving that is ecosystems. And it's a completely different way of thinking about channels in the way that we've thought about them for 39 years most channel professionals would equate the channel the word channel to a transacting or a reseller based channel where the money changes hands and what's opened up and when last week ibm announced a billion dollar investment in ecosystem it wasn't an additional billion dollars they're going to put into the incentive plan for the resellers it's completely reimagining the future of the industry. And so underneath that, we can talk about a few layers of it. But in the end, I put out a prediction document with 10 predictions. The answer to all 10 is basically marketplace. It's a digital connective tissue for the next decade that will change industries as well as change companies and realign the Fortune 500. And it's going to be anchored on this marketplace,
1: which is- cool. Jay, we we can see this happening already. Like, you know, let's, let's talk about Canadian tech companies for a moment. You know, I I wish that I had more Shopify stock, um, Mm -hmm. as to what, you know, what's happening in the e-commerce space this year. Um, and also I remember, I'd love to get your lens on this. I remember hearing a quote a number of years ago. Yeah. it was coming from the CEO of General Motors at the time. It's even before the bailout and all that sort of stuff. It was like making a major change at General Motors is like moving a cruise ship with a tugboat. And, and is that some of what you're getting pushed back against when you, when you write challenger articles, like the one you wrote last week, is you've got massive organizations, there are massive kingdoms inside those organizations, and you're the one saying, better wake up and make a change, or you're going to be an article. And, you know, remember the Clayton Christensen book about the, the steel mills, right? Like innovators dilemma. Um, we've seen this happen so many bloody times. You would think that organizations just have, you know, big organizations have a bunch of people sitting in a room thinking up shit as to how they might be able to, to void off what's coming.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen that really cool graphic that goes through the fortune 500 over the course of 80 years and watching companies grow and shrink and grow and shrink. And you know, the companies that were on 10 or 20 years ago are nowhere to be found and they've gone out of business or they've been sold. This is just happening and you know it all revolves around the customer. All we talked about in the media, all we just talked about in automotive, you know with now General Motors committing to a 2035 full electric, now Volvo came out today and committed to 2030, Ford has come out and committed to 2030. The buyer changes everything. The buying behavior, the buying psychology, the buying journey dictates everything in an industry. And most of my research revolves around the buyer of, for example, the technology industry and all of the things that flood out of the buyer. So 73% of them, by the way, think marketplaces are kind of convenient. And in last year where marketplaces grew more in the first three months of COVID than the last 10 years combined, we did a massive like multi-hundred person research project last year on the future B2B buyer. The net conclusion to save you a thousand pages of reading is that the future B2B buyer is going to look like a consumer. The way you buy a car from General Motors is the way you're going to buy software, is the way you're going to buy pharmaceuticals, is the way you're going to buy banking products in the future. You are going to take a very consumer, digital, or digital-only approach to your entire journey. And if you start there, and 73% of them today you know, think, obviously, Amazon is, is pretty convenient. And, you know obviously, when you're buying seven layers of software, it'd be very convenient to get that all in the same place or other products to get that all kind of in the same place. Then you rip through kind of the subscription and consumption models that every company in every industry, even as a consumer, are coming back trying to get you to pay monthly now for stuff you used to just buy once. And so this whole Netflix model of twelve bucks a month or twenty in Canada, um, is is interesting because you're okay because you get a lot of value. You would have dropped 12 bucks on a you know bucket of popcorn, you know, in, in the olden days, and you get a lot more value than a bucket of popcorn. But if you go three months and don't watch Netflix, that's gonna start to glare at you on your credit card statement, and you're probably gonna cancel it. In a day of you know, going to subscription. Now we've seen, you know, IBM jettison its services group, you know, a couple of months ago. They've just jettisoned Watson Healthcare and now they're a pure subscription company. Michael Dell, $93 billion organization, EMC, VMware, there's seven different companies, has just taken all 93 billion to subscription model, accelerated because of COVID. Chuck Robbins at Cisco took that entire organization 100%. HPE's been on this journey. They said they're gonna be there in 2022, which is you know nine months from now. You're talking about 80% of the client-server era and hundreds of billions of dollars that is shifting from maybe Larry in the white van into marketplace. You don't subscribe or you don't consume anything. You don't pay the cable guy in his white van your Netflix subscri- subscription. Right. It's digital, it's automated. So this future where for many resellers that and for distributors, that may make up 80% of their revenue, just those companies that have all shifted now where the transaction is the first 30 days with the customer. And they need to shift their entire business model where now adoption every 30 days, you know, leads correlates to whether they're going to renew, stickiness and integrations, whether they're going to renew. And then upsell, cross-sell for every 30 days forever. So this idea that there's a whole new channel that comes after that 30 days that you need to go recruit because it's probably not in your current space. And then the other side of it, which I think is the more important side, these new digital buyers going through these digital journeys, literally this morning, Google announced that there is no more retargeting. There are no more cookies. There is no more privacy or tracking on the internet going forward. Even though the MarTech, the 8,000 companies in MarTech tried to create something new, hashing your email address, they said no. Their entire business model is predicated on this retracking. So talking about an internal uh, change. But then last week, Apple updated all of our phones, allowing you to be truly anonymous, whether you're a consumer or a buyer on the internet. So in literally overnight, in one week, the entire MarTech stack, at least half of it got neutered because they lose their data early. The only way you're going to get visibility to your buyer early in their journey is through an ecosystem. And that's why 76% of CEOs basically put the future success of their company and survival of their company on ecosystems.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. You brought up those two stories because it's two that we've been watching closely because you know, where our company started was in the MarTech space and working with those publishers and selling ads. Um, I've been talking for a couple of years, you know, don't hang your, maybe more than a couple of years, probably four or five years. Don't hang your hat on the episodic ad sale, um, which is, you know, how I started in sales back in the day was selling ads, but You know, I would have to resell every month. It wasn't a subscription-based business or anything like that. What I want to make sure that the audience understands when you talk about marketplaces, you're talking about an e-commerce transaction. It's just in the channel, it's this idea of you have to have a marketplace online where people can conduct business in a digital format. And what we talk about in our vernacular is E-commerce grew more in 90 days in COVID than it grew in 10 years. But that's exactly what you're talking about when you talk about marketplaces. I remember in that boardroom a couple of years back when you were doing your whiteboard session, and um, you know you were you were quoting data and everything else, and y- and you said you will have marketplaces for all the plumbers. Then you'll have a marketplace for all the hospitals, and you'll have a marketplace. And what you were referring to is there's a set of products or services for that customer base, and you're going to have a store for them that's online and it's an online transaction. And, um, what you're, and what I'm hearing from you is the large tech companies, Cisco, Dell, HP, are already in that direction. And they want you to just go to their website, their marketplace, and do the transaction. And there won't be somebody in the middle there. It'll just happen with them. Is that, am I reading that correctly?
0: Yeah, there's an important delineation to what you just said. Most of the growth in that first nine days, that ecosystem growth, where in the U.S., one-third of the economy was now flowing e-commerce in the first quarter of COVID, um, 83% of that growth was marketplace. But there's actually an important distinction financially in terms of what is e-commerce and marketplace. Uh, e-commerce to the company that hosts it, think about Dell in the 1990s, they record that in their p statement as a direct sale. And if they sell a Logitech mouse or if they sell an extended warranty that somebody else does, that's a little bit of a product extension and it gets recorded differently from a financial perspective. If you think of a marketplace, you think about what I call a multiplier number. If somebody buys a dollar of Salesforce, there's $4.65 that gets it to work. So Salesforce today sells an additional dollar on their AppExchange marketplace of other people's products, of which they tax at 15%. So now Salesforce records the dollar as a direct sale. Now they record an additional dollar of pass-through, which they look more like a distributor, and they take a 15% profit margin on the pass-through. Now, the question is here. Salesforce is now worth more on the stock market than Oracle at half the revenue. They just got added to the Dow 30 and kicked off Exxon, related back to our general matter, Motors going full electric. (laughs) And here's a company that's at 20, 25 billion that is going to be a trillion dollar company. There's going to be the sixth company that hits a trillion valuation. The reason why is exactly the marketplace. So if you go back and say, If they can tax the $4.65 at 15% and do the math, that actually doubles their revenue overnight. They're putting on 250,000 partners and putting them on the marketplace so that they can tax hardware, software, and services downstream. So the customer actually pays $5.65 to Salesforce and Salesforce doles out the money and taxes the entire thing. And so when they double their company in four years and then tax the ecosystem at that same time, they're a $100 billion company. And then the stock market is going to add that, you know, a 10-time multiplier and make them a trillion-dollar company. Marketplace is the Wall Street equivalent of how you take this $20 billion company to be worth a trillion. It is really, really important. And when IBM spent a billion last week, when other companies are completely transforming themselves... They're all with the lens of how do we get into the trillion dollar club? And it all comes back to ecosystem, subscription, embedded, white labeled, multipliers, and then marketplace as the connective tissue that monetizes and taxes all of it. That's it. That's the entire story of marketplaces that will be written 10 years from now. And the companies that are on the Fortune 500 10 years from now that have all changed will be the ones that have won the platform layer that will have won this equation of where they can own and tax as a federal government would their ecosystem.
1: One of the things I think is interesting is you work with a number of large distributors and we don't have to look too far. Uh, We can see the acquisition by Apollo of uh, tech data. And along with that acquisition was a close to a billion dollar spend to build out, you know, I, let's use the term marketplace because at the end of the day, that's what what needs to be there. Um, and then we also see the move at, at Ingram uh, where, you know, they bought Odin quite some time ago. But, you know, we were on that panel with Lincoln Lincoln, um, who is leading Cloud Blue sales. And, you know, they're they're all in on that. Do you see more distributors moving in that direction?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting story. Like Tech Data, it was $750 million was was uh, aligned. The person that runs Tech Data, Rich Hume, used to be my boss at IBM. And as the story goes, like in 2004, you know, I was just a you know, kid living in Markham, Canada, Ontario, Canada. And here I have a new boss, like 17 levels above me, named Rich Hume. So I go on LinkedIn and, you know, what's this? He's an accountant. I'm like, what the heck is an accountant running a PC company? And then 12 months later, we were sold to Lenovo. So it had already been decided years ago by Sam Palmazano. Rich Hume was the guy to transform and make it happen. Uh, He was put in charge of tech data and given $750 million as an accountant to go figure out this digital connective tissue and to go build out the, the ability to do that. Ingram, you know, similar story and things like that. So if you read between the lines, they get it. I mean, what I wrote about distributors last week, it's not that this is new news to them. It just really hasn't been public before. All these stories about Salesforce and distributors, you don't read them in the press because that's not the press releases they're releasing right now. Right. Because they have to get there.
1: Well, Jay, you know it's always a pleasure speaking, and you know we've had a lot of uh, a lot of FaceTime here over the last few days with the panel and everything. And um, I, I have always found that you know you're you're ahead of the game, which is you know your job, and you're reading the tea leaves, and and you're giving a lot of good advice there. And I, I would love for you, you know, you you know our audience of of the Conquer Local podcast now into our fourth season. Um, what advice would you have for those folks that are working with their clients and trying to give them advice on on what they need to be thinking about as far as their business models?
0: Yeah, the first thing, if I could use the Canadian quote, you know, skate to where the puck is going to be, is understand that a lot of these trends that are underway now and these big announcements that you're seeing almost on a daily basis, understand that 76% of your CEOs you know, think that your current business model won't be the one they have five years from now is understanding through your own lens, understanding through your own customers outwards, what it means, who's going to surround them at all stages of the journey, how you can add value as a salesperson, for example, there's now a 51% chance your customer is going to get to vendor selection without wanting to talk to you. Uh, So understanding what that means, understanding what it means digitally And then all of the different partnership elements to that 75% of uh, world trade that goes indirectly, always be thinking of yourself in terms of who your ecosystem is and how you can get to your customer directly or influence the influencers that get there indirectly.
1: Mr. Jay McBain joining us, Forrester and uh, Channel Influencer of the Year. It's a real privilege to have you on the show and always great speaking to you. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us.
0: All right, thank you so much.
1: Well, Jay delivers the data and the insights, and he definitely is a challenger. You can hear that, but that's his role. He's there to be provocative. He's analyzing. He's looking for, you know, great Wayne Gretzky quote, right? Skate to where the puck's going to be not where it is. And that's what Jay's talking about, is where is this space going to be? So back about 7 minutes and 50 seconds into the podcast, he dropped four nuggets for you. Every company in every vertical is becoming a tech company. Remember, the CEO of Domino's Pizza said a number of years ago they're a tech company, and that's when they introduced the pizza tracking app. Shows you where the pizza's at. Well, here's Jay's four things that every company in every vertical are going to do to become a tech company. Number one, automations. Number two, they're going to accelerate to the cloud. Number three, remote technology. And then number four, the experience of their customers, that digital customer experience that we've been talking about on the show for a number of years. And remember, 76% of CEOs believe their business model will be different in five years. Okay, George. But Jay was talking about Fortune 500 and Fortune 50 companies. And he talked about Oracle and Salesforce. I am selling to hardware stores and I'm selling to roofers and I'm selling to doctors. How, what does this have to do with me? I'm telling you right now, there's a CEO of those companies too. And the CEO is the person that plunges the toilets and shovels the snow and sweeps the leaves off the front step. Those businesses need to understand that their business model will be different in five years. We actually just noticed this happen in the last 12 months where businesses are like curbside pickup a year ago in January of 2020. It wasn't a bunch of people advertising for that. And then the world changed. We had a forcing function by the way, but those changes were happening anyways. It's interesting to hear Jay talk about these large companies and how they are making major moves. And yes, they have the budget and the money and the analysts and people in rooms just thinking up stuff, but we need to encourage our customer base more than ever that they need to move to a digital experience, that they need to move to automation, that they need to move to cloud acceleration, remote technology, and a digital customer experience. Remember back A number of episodes ago, when our friend Neil Polachek was on the show and he talked about Think Like an App, Neil was talking about what Jay is talking about today. Every business in every vertical is becoming a tech company. And it's that experience that we love where we know where the Uber is at. And we're not wondering if the cab is going to come and pick us up because we can see it right on the thing. We can actually hold it up with the orange little flag and it'll come over and pick us up. We know how long it's going to be. You know, that experience, just think about that. And then how do we give that to the roofer? How do we give that to the plumber? And how do we give that to the person doing extermination? Every business in every vertical needs to be thinking this way. And I'm always inspired listening to Jay because he calls it the way that he sees it. He takes no prisoners. He just lays it on the line, but that's his job. And we need folks like that to help us think different and to think about the unintended consequences of what's happening right now so that we can be ready for it. I hope that you found it as insightful as I did. We're going to have some great links and things inside the notes so you can learn even more. And Jay is a great guy to follow on LinkedIn. I follow him on a regular basis. He's always bringing new insights and new information. Thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast with your host,
0: George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, George Leith, and Colleen McGrath. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Recorded and mixed at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.